Today's Saturday morning, October 23rd edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast is presented by Blue Wire Pods. Go to bluewirepods.com today for access to all of our awesome podcasts across the great Blue Wire Pod network. Uh, also, outsider.com. Go check out outsider.com today if you have not already done so. Go check us out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, YouTube. Just type in Outsider. You'll find our awesome stuff there. Just join them. Very excited about it. Very excited about it. Um, and yeah, on the show today, on this Saturday edition of the Chase Most Podcast, on Saturdays, you know, sports reporters assemble with the Daily Beast. Robert Silverman, and the Detroit Free Press's Andrew Hammond. So go check those guys out. Give them a follow if you have not already done so. Biggest stories this week in sports from Deshaun Watson, Dolphins, uh, NFL, uh, NBA, first week impressions, uh, Knicks, Hawks, uh, Ben Simmons, all that good stuff. Uh, coming today on the pod, Jimmy Stein covering the, uh, covering the Alabama Crimson Tide. So we talked a bunch of Alabama, Alabama-Tennessee, um, Bryce Young, all that good stuff. And then Atlanta sports guys, no Garrett this week, but we do have Max Markovich on the pod today. Talk Hawks, Cam Reddish, that awesome showing DeAndre Hunter locking up um, Luka Doncic on Thursday. But uh, yeah, great, great stuff. Falcons, Hawks, Braves, all that on Atlanta sports guys. And all of that is coming up next. Uncle Darren, let's go. Sports reporters assemble! Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Hello. Welcome back to the Sports Reporters Assembling. You heard it. That's what we do on Fridays. But the full cast is back together. Andrew Hammond, after a week away, is back with the gang. Andrew Hammond of the Detroit Free Press. Andrew, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How you doing, man? Uh, the sun is coming out here in Knoxville, Tennessee. The balls are on the road in Tuscaloosa for for an easy one. For an easy one, at, let me check my notes here. The <laughs> Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, uh, so but no. Chase, mm-hmm. question. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry to like interrupt your uh, your open, but you've got to answer some questions, dude. Um, oh no! Why are you throwing French's mustard out onto the field? That's a lot happened there. That, that's a lot to unpack. Um, I've unpacked that a lot. It, it's. I do have. I, I mm-hmm. do wonder though. Are you? Were you in like the horde that that like basically just kind of bum rushed the uh, front part of the student section after like being in like the five millionth row for like four hours? You guys no. saw were like, screw it, let's go for it. That was like a weird thing you saw in the park. Like I. <laughs> I don't know. I it, no, that was just a different thing. That wasn't really a big deal. I just the I people who hilarious. were talking about it is kind of crazy that they were able to get in the golf balls. Um, I they do check security and they are you have to go through a metal metal detector to get in and all that kind of stuff, clear bags, all that. I'm gonna guess the mustard. My final guess on that is they got it from somewhere in the concessions that like that came. They found on the ground. Like snuck in. They might have snuck in in via alcohol too. I don't think they're sneaking in mustard. I think you're giving these kids too much credit. What I think happened is someone found a like a drunk kid. Dude, I've I've been to games where mm-hmm. a kid taped. Uh, I, I want to say it was either three or four uh, variety uh, bottles of fireball like duct tape mm-hmm. them to his body mm-hmm. and he wa- and he walked in and this was i don't know if there were uh metal detectors 
But as, all I know is he snuck him in. It's like 40 degrees outside. He takes off his shirt, uh, drops his pants, and mm. yeah, like he's ripping duct tape off in mm. the freezing cold. And I'm just like, these college kids have so much creativity. It is frightening. So yeah, now I can see somebody sneaking in some uh, sneaking in some alcohol via a French's mustard bottle. Shout out to French's for a. Uh, <laughs> for, uh, for, for 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 the free advertisement they got over the weekend. What's your favorite mustard, Andrew? Uh, favorite I am kind a, of mustard. I am a brown mustard or honey mustard guy. Hmm. Mm. I'm not a brown mustard person whatsoever. I like spi- I like the the classic is my way, and then number two is spicy. Uh, yeah, I'll go spicy mustard on. It depends on what it is. Mm-hmm. Like this I, spicy I, mustard I, I, Chinese food, it works. I like honey mustard. Honey mustard's great. Are we? I didn't know we were counting honey mustard because I don't count honey mustard like. Yeah, it, that's it's a totally its different thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah, it, I, I've been told that I have the palate of a small, colicky child for Same. liking honey mustard. <laughs> um, and I do enjoy putting sugar on all kinds of foods that probably shouldn't have them because I mm-hmm. think sweet and savory is, is a lovely combo. Oh no, we've heard um, about the the coke alcohol stuff and everything else that you yeah, in your in yeah, your youth. Yeah. Exactly. Um, uh, but I don't think you can count honey mustard as a mustard. I'm not I don't think so either. I agree with you. Really, really? Okay, okay. So if we, you know, if we don't count honey mustard, then yeah, I'd either go spicy or, you know, I'll even go a little bit of the uh, Grey Poupon. Mm. See, I think we can qualify this. We can, like, answer the is honey mustard a mustard question very easily because it's like if you ask for, for mustard, at a restaurant and they bring out honey mustard you're like no no no, no. i asked for mustard like that's something where you're just like this is not I, what i, I asked like you would be the, i feel like you would be the guy to do that <laughs> yes, i mean it depends on what you've, it, you've absolutely done it before haven't you no but uh, on the flip side if i asked for like honey mustard with my chicken tenders like bob having the palate of a seven-year-old kid um <laughs> if i asked for that and you bring me mustard i'm gonna be like this is this is not i, I didn't ask for mustard I asked for honey mustard those are two different things but if you bring me mustard that's spicy or brown and i ask for mustard i don't i, I don't it, it, it is what it is that's fine um but if i ask um, for honey mustard it's a different thing entirely yeah i like there's a kind of mustard that i've been getting a lot lately it's it's called it's it is a um dusseldorf style mustard it's okay. very mild but it's not it's got a lot of flavor but it doesn't have a lot of like it's got less vinegar in it so mm-hmm. it's a very sort of smooth but still very flavorful mustard it's like a like imagine a lot less spicy dijon style mustard it's a german mustard and they sell it at the local super key food in these very sort of attractive barrel steak uh glasses which then you know i watch and i get a free glass out of it so win-win for me there you it's go. the kind of mustard I like. And and when I want a honey mustard, well, I've got a bear in the fridge, and I can, you know, just squeeze the plastic bear and make my own honey mustard. Mm. Speaking of win-wins, the Philadelphia 76ers versus uh, Ben Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is... Uh, uh, where should we begin with 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 Philly and and Ben Simmons? I mean, there's so many avenues. There's there's Shams being incredibly shameless about just turning, allowing himself to be turned into uh, Simmons's agent's mouthpiece. I mean, say what you will about Woj, he's able to he kind of he kind of closes the door to the sausage making factory, so you don't have to really see the awfulness 
um, and the, the 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 water carrying and the uh, the the beet sweetening, you know, right on its surface. Who Sham uh, Schefter? Yeah, Shams Sham Shariana and, and his his truly avant-garde prose stylings. Um, that guy writes sentences that had never been seen before in the history of the world. That's that Northwestern. That's that. That's the Northwestern in him. That's a McGill gonna... graduate. <laughs> um, How dare you, Bob? Did he go to McGill? Wait a second. Are you? I'm He's from Chicago. I think yeah, he went to DePaul. I thought he went to. I thought he went to Northwestern. He may have. I thought well, it was DePaul, but yeah, I could be no, wrong. The whole. I, I don't want to defend either Ben Simmons or the Sixers. No, it's amazing. People are just suddenly, man, every single person who's a wannabe GM and thinks that they and sides with ownership and all this stuff is just piling on to this Ben Simmons is a fraud bandwagon, which I get because he's acting like a giant baby. Here, well, then the smoking gun was like the Jonathan Gavani uh, draft express tidbit that everyone's latched on to this week. Did y'all see that? No, I didn't oh. see. I, I saw. It. Oh yeah, the old blog that he wrote. Yes. Where he goes, hmm, actually. Oh, was that the was that the 2016 thing? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I you know saw what? it. But maybe, maybe Brandon Ingram should be the first pick in the draft instead of this lazy fraud Ben Simmons. Also, if anybody watched Ben Simmons at LSU, because somebody somebody I follow made this point. If 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 you watched Ben Simmons at LSU. None of this should surprise you. Like he was kind of well, that was that was Gavoni's point. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was the point of the blog that he wrote, man. Like it's it is yeah. Because I, I remember watching uh, just LSU. FYI. Let's not slander the fine middle school of journalism. Shams went to Loyola, Loyola Chicago. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. Oh, close enough. But you know, hey, Madil, hey, Madil graduates can get this slander mm, um, if you're Andrew. listening. If you're listening, it's an undergrad degree, man. Come on. I know. It, you know. Hey, hey. I am all for it. this. Is this is more joking, if anything, because uh-huh. you know, at, but, but Madil grads get very um, get oh, very yeah. Oh yeah, like Madil, Mizzou, Syracuse. Yeah, no, they can all get these hands. <laughs> um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, so back to back to Ben Simmons. No, I, I'm not taking either side because I, I, it feels like both sides deserve some blame here. Because first yeah, off, yeah, guys, like this is also Maury really should just. I'm sorry. No, you cannot wait this out and have it improve. You are not going to get. 25 or 30 games of quality Ben Simmons play and then be able to trade him for an actual star in return. Especially when Doc Rivers is just kind of just watch, he watched his hands of everything last year. That should have given you the sign. You need to take the poo-poo platter and just be okay with that. That's it. I don't think he's going to get the poo-poo platter now. Can I tell y'all what I think is actually how this is going to end? I think they get nothing. I think he. I think he gets cut as a coffee oh, yeah, holder. You can't, wait a second. I'm, I'm, I'm not Bobby Marks, but how mm-hmm. do you exact? I don't think you can just cut him. There's something that they're gonna happen. Like it's they are going to get out, buy out, whatever. I don't think this ends with him oh, getting moved. No way. A buyout. Mm. 
Maybe that's the take, oh. but I don't see Daryl agreeing to CJ McCollum and Filler or Buddy Heald and Filler. Great trade! CJ McCollum and Filler would be an outstanding but return for Ben Simmons. What I'm saying is that they're not going to do that. What, what I'm saying is they're not going to do that. And if he's going to wait it out, like I just, Simmons might just walk away from basketball. Like that's, we talk about Kyrie walking away from basketball. What I, if Simmons I, just I, walks away? Um, that's not going to happen. Okay. This is bad. I, but him going on radio and talking about, like, we're prepared to drag this out and Philly fans yeah. need to strap in and stuff like that, it's just, I, I just, it, it's so bad on both sides. And then, I mean, Tobias Harris. Protect Tobias Harris at all costs. <laughs> nice guy, Tobias Harris. This is more Tennessee volunteers simping, and I don't think I'll stand for it for any second longer. I'm hey, just, good I, dude. I, I, yeah, well, here's here's where it just I, means more down here, Bob. I'm of course it does. Um, this is what I'm I, I am interested in though. If you are the if 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 you're the Sixers mm. and Ben Simmons was clearly unhappy, okay, then uh-huh. try you try you try and trade him. Yes, you, knowing Ben Simmons comes back. Like, I, I feel like they handled this poorly. Like, here's what I would have done if, if you bring Ben, if Ben Simmons decided to come back, basically for financial reasons. Uh, by, by the way, I love those photos of Ben Simmons with the cell phone. Oh, phone just not giving, just not giving a shit. Absolutely. I love that. If, I love it if, so much. If you can't I, absolutely. I'm like, I look, he's he, like, like Marshawn before him. He's here just so he doesn't get fined. Yeah. And, I, I think you have to respect literally, <laughs> literally. Uh, I think he went back soreness. The one thing MRI can't pick up, so like he could just keep like he went with the back soreness route. Like he was feeling tight and uh, couldn't couldn't participate. Like that's an all time great move. Back soreness. There's nothing you can do about that. I'm dealing with some back soreness right now, actually. <laughs> and so crazy. I feel like anyone else can as well. Well, and what's what's crazy about this is so he he shows up to the facility basically for financial reasons. If I'm the Sixers, I would have done this. Hey, you want to practice? Awesome. So you're going to work with one of the coaches and you can't participate in any, you know, team workouts, nothing like that. You're going to be on a separate court working with a coach. If you don't like it, Go ahead and go home. But to sit there, and this is where I put some of it on Doc Rivers. Like, Doc, just, can we just, can can Doc just go into the sunset and just be the a... Sixers, the Sixers, the, the very stupid thing the Sixers should have done is they should have said, like, he doesn't want to be here. Okay, don't make him go through the ritual of showing right. up. So that and you just, can have and, sad... Pictures of him looking sad. And everyone agree, like, okay, we won't find you because clearly it's not going to do anything. Well, and and Doc saying, hey, can you get in this drill? And he says no. And then Doc says, hey, can you get in this drill? And Ben Simmons basically just dropped a ball and literally went home. Doc, come on, dude. Did you really think this was all going to work out? But what is he supposed to do? Maury's put him in bad spots. Like, what is Doc Rivers supposed to do with this? Here's what I've said in multiple group chats, by the way. Mm. Here's what I've said. Simmons for Kyrie. <laughs> oh, hell no. Really? Think I, about it. I know. Bob, I love you. Why? I, 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 
Well, not why you love. I was gonna say, are you asking Andrew to explain? The reasons are self-evident. Why? Why lovely? no? No, this is why I say no. I don't think Kyrie will get the shot. Like Kyrie won't get the right. shot. And Philadelphia, and I don't think, and I, and unless the city of Philadelphia plans on instituting a vaccine mandate on any time soon, he can play in Philly. It, he can also play in New York. Surprise! Because that, the policy is really dumb if he's traded to Philly. That that whole thing with. I'm not saying Kyrie's not a coach killer. He's not a team killer. He just wants to do his own thing. And I don't think Doc wants another headache. Oh, oh, really? Hell, hell. I don't think Maury wants another headache, but Maury's stupid. Okay. I don't think Maury cares about headaches. Your choice, your choice, you're faced with this choice as a general manager. Mm -hmm. You can have... Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes, and by the way, I think people are sleeping on Harrison Barnes a little bit. What year is this? People expected him, you know, he got slotted in as the fifth guy on those great Warriors teams, mm-hmm. and, you know, Maybe he never seventh. really lived up to his, to his draft slot, mm-hmm. and he was always thought it was a complimentary piece, but Harrison Barnes is actually quite good now. Um, okay. Any case, Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heald, or you can have Kyrie. A moody, no one has any idea what he's going to do, brain boomed Kyrie. That's your choice. Mm. Yeah. I, I am also give, telling give, you. Me, give, what about Tyler Hero for Simmons? No, Philly's not. No. Oh, anyway. God, no. Okay. One, that, that, you, you, think ben, you think Ben Simmons doesn't want to deal with, uh, with Joel Embiid and a bunch of other vets? Imagine Pat Riley in one ear and Jimmy Butler in another. Yeah. Ben Simmons and, and Jimmy Butler already have a great professional relationship. I think that'll happen sometime soon. No, one Miami doesn't have the the, the salaries don't work out. There's no way for Miami. Westbrook for Simmons. Ooh, no. 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 no, no, no. Let me tell you something. If you have Ben Simmons as the starting center, flanked by Kevin Durant mm-hmm. and James Harden mm-hmm. and Joe Harris. Mm-hmm. And Patty Mills, let's mm-hmm. say, or any one number one of their role players. That is a killer crunch time five. You can let Ben stand in the dunker spot. Mm-hmm. Well, he actually dunk is the question. And you can sick him on your team's best opposing player. That is an effective use of Ben Simmons. And he can be a secondary ball handler to take some pressure off Harden. That is an effective use of Ben Simmons. Brooklyn is one of the few teams in the league where Ben Simmons, as currently constituted, works. I will continue banging this drum. Ben Simmons for Kyrie, and Kyrie and Embiid would be a killer one-two punch. I agree. Kyrie, Tennessee volunteer, Tobias Harris, Mm -hmm. and Kyrie, that's a team that could challenge the East. And then, of course, we'd potentially be setting up a Brooklyn-Philly Eastern Conference Finals. Who would not, with Ben Simmons and Kyrie taking on one another, who would not want to watch that? Hmm. Now, the few Nets fans who I spoke to about this scream from the high Raptors, no, 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 that's a terrible idea, no. But what they're not taking into consideration is that they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, I love you. <laughs> like I used to, you, you know, what they're not, what they're forgetting is, is that they're wrong as shit. 
Yeah, that they're that they're stupid and wrong and should apologize mm-hmm. for their stupid wrong. That's what they're sort of leaving out of this equation. I just that's wish Ben Simmons was in the arena tonight. Like he's not, he, he's not going to be in the he's more than likely won't be in in the arena uh, for for Nets Sixers, but he needs to be purely just for. Philly fans have their have their first true villain since like Sixers fans have their first true villain since Michelle Williams uh, uh, of Destiny's Child. So I feel like we need to have that moment. What is that reference? What are we talking? Oh my God, Chase! You're like five. <laughs> Jesus Christ! So Google Destiny's Child. That's the group seven, from six. Smart Guy, correct? Oh God, Chase! Jesus Christ! Oh God, Beyonce, Michelle, Kelly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Chase, are you fucking with me? <laughs> I swear to God, I'm gonna come to Tennessee. I'm gonna punch you in the face. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ, son! Oh God, that was great. Well done, Chase. Well mm. done. As you were saying, dick. dick. <laughs> language andrew language we don't like you this is what you missed last week oh that was something he did miss a little hiatus Mm -hmm. we're trying to we're not we're we're gonna we're gonna avoid blue material on the show from now on Aww. we just lost andrew so we're so 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 so, so we're just gonna be more black Mm, no Mm. um Darn. No, we're going to avoid the cuss words and the rude language. Okay? You think you can, you think you can rein it in there a little bit, <laughs> Carla? No. Okay. <laughs> I'll try, but no. I'm sorry. I, I realize I'm censoring you, and this is cancel culture, but please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bob, you know you, you, you know you and I are basically like... Uh, shipmates in in, uh, in cancel culture. We know yeah. it doesn't exist. We just hate it. Uh, oh, uh, Netflix is totally going to hate us, aren't they? I actually, and I'm going to avoid saying which publication and which person did it because they still work in sports media, but I was actually fired from a Nick's blogging gig for using too many curse words. Mm. About the about the 2014 Nick's. Now that's a team that would make people curse a lot. I think in my defense, and in my in my other defense, no one was. It was a. I got eighty dollars per Nick's blog. I had to write eight of them a month. It was you know a little bit of cash on the side to just sort of write some things about the Knicks, um, and I was never edited once. After I was hired, I received. I, I, I self-published the entire time, I believe. Yeah, I self-published every article. No one from editorial said a word to me after I was hired. And I did this for, I think, maybe four months before, you know, again, I didn't hear a single thing from the people running this site. Not one. Not one comment about what they liked it. They wanted me to cover different subjects. They wanted something, blah, 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 until I received an email saying that I was fired 
and they were retroactively editing my posts to take out the curse words. And that I was being fired for violating AP style. Now, in their defense, there may have been some, like, note somewhere that they... That, that all blog posts were required to adhere to AP style, which generally avoids using any curse words unless I'm directly quoting someone. But maybe they could have mentioned something over the four months. I think the last straw was that I, refu- I referred to uh, Nick's owner, James Dolan, as an F-word wit. I think that was one thing. <laughs> I mean, you aren't wrong. I, again, that's also part of my defense. But my defense was, you know, I, I've cursed a few times over the course of the last four months. Maybe someone could have brought it up at one point because it was clear that nobody was reading a single thing that I wrote until somehow the cuss words got flagged. And I wasn't even told, like, listen, we're going to change these retroactively. Don't do it moving forward. It was just you're fired. And so I emailed the like the person who would like back to say, like, listen, can we have a conversation about this? And they said, no, I'm too busy. And then never responded. Wow. Yeah, Bob, we're going to have to talk. Uh, we're going to have to talk off. Uh, yeah. Off off air air. About, off about, air. About, because because I, I have a feeling which side it is, but I will. Um, oh, I, I, I think I know, too. But I think yeah, we'll. I don't think you do, but that's okay. That's okay. actually better. Well, that brings us to our, our last topic on today's show. Deshaun Watson, Tua Tunga Viola, and... Uh, <laughs> oh, jeez. That doesn't bring us and, to and, and, <laughs> and, you're t- and you're telling me that I shouldn't cuss and you bring up this topic. Okay. This guy, this game steamed this Bust week. Bust out a thesaurus, man. Get creative. Mm-hmm. Well, well, well let me just say that them. everybody is stupid, especially the Dolphins, because, oh, Jesus Christ, what are the Dolphins doing? Hey, let's, let's, hey, we have this Prius that, eh, I don't like this Prius. Let me get this Ford F-150 yeah, the, the Ford F-150 literally has everything wrong with it. Why do you think it's been sitting there for six months? You know what? I'll I'll take it anyway. I'll, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm fine with it. That's what that's what the Houston Texans or that's what the Miami Dolphins are basically doing. They're taking a crappy-looking so car. It sounds like someone is not taking into consideration the J.D. Power and Associates awards <laughs> of the Ford F-150. <laughs> Yes, I am taking that into consideration. Okay. He beat Bama. That's the JD Power Associate. Sure, why not? Okay. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't buy that. I, I think these conversations still come up, and I I wonder if these things get out there to gauge the temperature um, across the country on this kind of thing in the fan base, where they 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 get it out, it leaks, they want to see how people respond. Has it been enough time? Nope, clearly not. All right, back to uh, cold calling, back to not doing anything for for several months, where it's just like that's where I feel like we're at is just these teams are interested and um, just have no like that they're not concerned about the moral aspect to this at all and that they would love to have Deshaun Watson on their team but they also know that the blowback will be strong and they want to see if they can stand the heat and then they put it out there and then it's like nope can't stand it yet so we're gonna we're gonna push it back in there and it's like well what if you just didn't do it what if you just put this player on ice forever you don't have to trade for him like I understand the talent aspect of it everyone does but it 
it's done. Like, I don't understand. Like, there's, I don't see a scenario where it's celebrated. I don't see a scenario where the fan base universally signs on for this. Like, the, the 20, what, 22, 23 women? They're not going anywhere. This case is not going anywhere anytime soon. This will hang around him for the remainder of his prime. So, if you are not okay with that, and this is the correct take, I am the correct take uh, decider here, uh, you should not want Deshaun Watson on your football team. You should not want him in your building. Like, that is something that you just should not want. That is a bad look. There is no way around it being a bad look and saying, hey, we care more about winning football games than we do about the culture and our fans. And that's that's just a bad look. They do care more about the culture and about winning football games than they do about their fans. I know. I'm going to actually be a bit of a contrarian here. Okay. Uh, I, I really don't like... I think empowering pro sports leagues to 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 function as like a shadow police force and shadow judiciary is an incredibly bad idea and has not done much to actually deal with questions of uh, domestic violence or uh, drug use or any of these other things. Like, yeah. If a football league, okay, drug use is eh, not as good an example because if a league wants to, you know, excise performance enhancing drugs, they do have a right to set up standards and stringency tests, even if the cheaters are always going to be one step ahead, et cetera, et cetera. But just when it comes to domestic partner violence, I, I really do feel like, yes, it would be better, like, if the judicial system, the actual judicial system, the cops, the courts, everything, did a much better job of actually investigating and prosecuting these cases. They don't. They do an absolutely terrible job. But I'm not sure if I want the NFL to suddenly try to fill that void. Because I feel like it just allows people to feel like some kind of vengeance has been meted out. And I understand like the desire of all kinds of people to say that they don't want to root for a team with people who've been accused of these crimes on them. But I kind of think that actually, one, I just don't like corporate entities being given that much authority. And two, I feel like it allows to a certain degree the question of solving the larger problem of how do we investigate and then theoretically prosecute these kinds of crimes to slide to a degree when people assume, well, you know, no NFL team should trade for Deshaun Watson. The league will ban him for X number of games, et cetera, et cetera. And now justice has been done when it absolutely has not. And moreover, when, like, ask anyone who's really studied this and ask any advocates for, for women's groups to talk about this, and they say, like, removing that partner's income is not a good way to make life better for the victim. Um... And again, we're getting a bit of field of sports here. But the point being, I, I, I really think, like, yeah, if, if, if the Dolph, like, the idea that trading, any team trading for Deshaun Watson would suggest that the teams care more about winning than they do about morality, I would be like, yes, and they do. Let's not pretend otherwise. If fans want to walk away from that product because of that, well, okay, that's fine. That's your choice as well. I mean, and, and it's a choice that's entirely understandable. If fans, other fans want to say, like, I find this repugnant, but I still want to root for this team, that's understandable, too. Um, we kitty-quarter all kinds of ethics to participate in sports fandom. Or, again, at least I do. 
that you know there are all there are plenty of things about the way that sports works that I find utterly reprehensible, but I still watch. So it's clearly not that much of a problem. So yeah, I I am. I kind of think like yeah they should go ahead and trade for him, and I really think the league should should be out of the investigating its employees' business altogether. One because of the question of corporate power, and two because they absolutely are terrible at it. Hmm. So that, wow. that's my take on that. The yeah. you mean the NFL that absolutely needs to be investigated, and they're just like oh we see nothing here. Yeah, yeah like no. I mean. Look, this the the. I keep going back to the Ray Rice investigation when the league claimed it was you know moving heaven and earth to try to figure out what had happened in that elevator, and it turns out in varying degrees depending on who you believe that they had the tape or their investigator just sort of never asked for it or the people who would have been in charge of determining whether or not Rice should be suspended sort of made it clear they didn't want to see it. Uh, the ha 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 funny to think about now in retrospect Robert Mueller led investigation of what the NFL did uh, turned into the a funny for Robert Mueller yeah 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 turned into a well it's clear the NFL screwed up here royally but as to why they might have done that well that's not our position to say so not only did they have a full team of people investigating Ray Rice they hired an outside you know esteemed prosecutor to come in and investigate the investigation and the only thing that happened was is that Ray Rice's career got ended yeah what he did was reprehensible yeah he should probably have served some kind of time but that's a problem with the criminal justice system and not necessarily one that the NFL can fix ever in fact I would argue they only make it worse Mm. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, <laughs> I uh, you know you know who I feel bad for in this situation though. Say what you want about how he plays on the field, and, and I'm not going to you know joke around and kid with this. I feel bad for Tua here because you're expected to, and this is essentially oh yeah, athlete. Tua is, Tua has been put into an absolutely god awful situation. I mean, well, he never. One, he never really had time to recover from the hip injury. And Even if, yeah, it, and it, then it, he ended up with like a a fairly awful Miami team with limited uh, weapons on offense. They they basically traded or let go of anybody that could have been capable like of, to a, of helping him to out. And then, you know, jerked him around with Ryan Fitzpatrick. If, he, if a team had drafted Tua and let him sit for two years until he was completely healthy, I think you might see a very different player. And now get getting him shunted to Houston uh, while they're pondering, pawning off, like, you know, uh, Brandon Cooks, too, while he still has a, an iota of value. That's not a better situation, man. Um, yeah, his career is really big. Like, you know, this is... I think commonly accepted wisdom at this point, but well, and this is quarterback the, prospects are so dependent on which franchise they land in. Well, how they... that it's it's it, it, it's that, but it's also it's frustrating because you sit there and you look at you know basically the situation that he's in. You look at the Washington football situation where it's like Washington kind of put themselves in this situation to be is that the trade now is it a three-way so so it was funny because you had some Washington-based media saying oh man they're gonna bring Tua in but like those actually in the know basically were like 
yeah, that's not happening. It was it was just like, yeah, if we're going to bring a quarterback in, it's not going to be him. It was just like, damn. Uh, <laughs> it was it was just like super rude. It was just like, yeah, we're, we're, we want a quarterback. No, we don't want him. Not him. Get get him out of my sight. But no, I mean, I look at this as the whole NFL industrial complex. I like to call it, and paraphrase it from a friend of mine, I like to call it the draft industrial complex. Where basically, I've heard that before. That's a good saying. Where, where basically you need to get a guy that fits the mold perfectly of what a 1994 quarterback looks like, i.e. Davis Mills. I think we all kind of recognize, especially Chase and I, knowing that, you know, we both watch college football. Davis Mills, decent quarterback in college. Does that Number one recruit in his class. Do, 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 do we see translations of that into the NFL? Not really. And not in a good way. Like, Davis Mills basically got the job because it's like, yeah, we're going to get rid of this problem child here. Uh, so congratulations, you're you are now a part of a rebuild that we don't know how long it's gonna take. Not exactly awe-inspiring. Not exactly the type of thing that you are uh, that you are supposed to be looking forward to. No, I. And 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 the sad thing is the quarterback prospects for the next two years. When you look at it in college, unless somebody puts it together you know immediately all all the way from now through team workouts combine all that yeah you're you're looking at maybe a two-year drought of decent quarterback play yeah all right well heavy heavy ending to this to this friday (laughs) edition of the chase thomas podcast the sports sports assemble edition um bob we can talk about talk about our pro our 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 content that we're excited about and want to share with the chase thomas audience maybe that'll prove a more upbeat ending there you go what do you got for us bob i'm watching dune mother fluffer (laughs) oh same when are you watching it uh well i'm gonna watch the knicks tonight so uh my significant other has 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 felt that the the movie, the thinly veiled parable about uh, Western imperialism in the Middle East, but featuring space penises shaped worms, is not kind of her 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 thing to watch. So I got to find a time uh, when I'm not monopolizing the TV. So it's probably going to be Saturday, I think, is Saturday afternoon thing. Mm. Okay, I'm excited though. I'm very excited. I mean, look, Sendai is Michi, and you've got Timothy Chalamet in it. I'm I'm very excited. Jason Momoa looks, yeah. You got a you got a quippy Jason Momoa. There's all kinds of fun stuff. Look, I like a good tooth tooth movie, and this is uh, has a lot of tooth toofs and weird religiosity. I'm I'm very excited for it. it should be fun. I, I still dig the David Lynch version. Which we we know Bob. Yeah, you you love David Lynch. He's a big David Lynch guy. I like David Lynch a lot too. Uh, yeah, David Lynch is good at directing movies and TV shows. He's pretty good. I don't know if you know. Pretty solid. Yeah. Uh-huh. I would agree. Uh, so, yeah, Dune. Me and Andrew are both here for Dune. Okay. I'm watching Dune literally as soon as I finish <laughs> this podcast. Uh, no, I was going to watch it this morning, 
Oh, just because because I'm off today and I'm like, oh, yeah, I know I'll get a chance to watch it. Uh, got out of bed like an hour later than I wanted because I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to lay here. Um, never, Kids, memory foam beds are dangerous. Like you'll just like want to sleep all day. Um, oh, man, I got I got a weighted blanket recently. Oh, those are the it best. Is, I sleep in a weighted blanket every it, day. It was I got one for my birthday. It's incredible. Me, it's it just puts me right the f out. It's incredible, it really isn't it? Does. Yeah, it's very exciting for me. Some, I mean, I'm getting a little used to it, and I'm wondering if I should double up and get a second weighted blanket because <laughs> you'll never get up, Bob. That, I need that weight, man. I need the weight. Uh, I'm getting too comfortable with the 25 pounder. I need, <laughs> I need to step up my game, weighted blanket wise. So yeah, Dune, Dune is the thing I'm excited. About. <laughs> I just if you want to talk to me about David Lynch or the Sands of Arrakis or any of that, uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Bob Sayeta, B O B S A I E T T A. I just have this visual of <laughs> just adding. <laughs> Yeah, weighted blanket after weighted blanket and him just, <laughs> just I'm gonna be like the princess in the gosh darn pee man by the time I'm done just just bury me in weighted blankets daddy that's my you know there's nothing I can do to top that bury me in weighted blankets daddy <laughs> Oh, bah, or Andrew, excuse me. What uh, What do you have? What's your pick of the week? Is it Dune? Do you have something else? It was it's, Dune. It's, it's Dune. Okay. It's Dune, but you can just pretty much end it at bury me in weighted blankets, <laughs> daddy. Yeah, cut it off there, man. That's okay. The well, my, uh, I'm going to mumble silently. Uh, better watch out. My pick of the week. Watch it this week with uh, Sports Renaissance Woman. Great, great horror movie on Shudder. Um, loved it. It's great stuff. Great Which stuff. Movie is this? Better watch out. Uh, I've heard that was pretty decent. It's a lot of twists. It's pretty great. It uh, it's pretty great. Big fan. Big fan. Bob, Andrew, always a pleasure, guys. Thank you so much for making the time. Per usual, I will talk to you next week. Have yourselves a great weekend. You too, man. the atlanta sports guys we are back but only the number one fellow sports guy is here garrett chapman's away he'll be back next week max markovich is here though max good afternoon sir how are you good afternoon i'm doing great we'll see if uh if maybe this is a better product without garrett people are people mm. are saying that people are wondering people are wondering um i don't think we'll talk about boy scouts like we did with garrett when you weren't here <laughs> When we found out we were both Eagle Scouts and it just, it drifted from there, I believe. Yeah, we won't, we won't be going there as I was not a Boy Scout, so can't, can't relate on any level. Yeah, you were cool. That's, uh, that was, that, that, that's what happened there. You were, you were not a high school dork. Like, saying that I'm an Eagle Scout was just like, hey, I just want to make sure that everyone knows that uh, I was not dating in high school. Like, that was, uh, <laughs> was not, not, like, I ran the school paper and was in Boy Scouts, so not exactly, not exactly the, the, the coolest kid room in the hall well, i also read high school papers so i can't can't say i was the coolest kid either but we won't go there we we don't have to do that we don't have to do that max markovich um the hawks played last night um obviously there was some sort of baseball game that atlanta was involved I know, I in i love that we're starting with the hawks i love 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 that <laughs> well also it's more fun i 
Okay, can I do my old guy rant about the Braves right yeah, now in baseball? Go off, go off. There's nothing to talk about with the Braves, but but use your rant. There's just the four hours is insane. Like I'm just jotting down. I'm like, we're nearing hour four again. This is hour four. You know what's amazing? A basketball game where it just breezes right through two hours, two and a half max. Like it just breezes. It's a nice breeze. The action never stops. I missed basketball so much where I'm like, I'm watching this in my notes. I'm just so engaged. And look, I, I love baseball too, but it's just a different type of thing. And these games are dragging. These Braves games are dragging. And people are getting so wound up by the announcing and all this other stuff. And I'm just... I, I don't... Baseball has a serious problem with the length of these games. This is the longest season ever in terms of just the amount of time an average game takes. And it's up this playoffs. Like an average four-hour game. Who's watching both AL and NLCS, right? Like no one's doing that. No right. one's giving you eight hours of this. No one no one outside the people who have to do it for a living that is it um these games are too long uh the the, just the style of play is really bothering me just a lot of i i don't know man like it's just the bullpen games and having to factor that in i i've been kind of like curmudgeony about all of this a little bit and it's also if we want to keep going on our curmudgeony takes the like devaluing of starting pitching Mm -hmm. in general is just so frustrating to me and I don't, I don't really know why either, but it just seems like that's such a bedrock of baseball is like, do you have the rotation to like dominate a playoff series? And that whole entire equation is just taken out by, you know, I don't want to even use the word analytics, but it is an analytical framework of bullpen games and pulling the pitcher before third time through the order, no matter what, or like, like a pitcher will be dealing and they'll just pull him after five you could have a dominant five inning outing four or five inning outing and get pulled anyway and like that just frustrates me and it definitely contributes to the length um even with the the like three batter rule like mm-hmm. baseball's trying to do all these things to make the game faster and like maybe i don't know the data but maybe around the margins it's kind of worked but I, there's nothing you can do there's no like underlying um, pull the plug here and suddenly baseball will be fixed and this doesn't have to be like a fixed baseball argument I mean the Braves are one win from the World Series but you're right like who who care like baseball is not a national sport anymore in any way mm-hmm. it is completely local and if you know the Braves weren't in the NLCS making this run like frankly my level of care would be <laughs> minimal mm-hmm. um, and that's a problem for them long term short term however you want to slice it I agree. Um, it's so regionalized, and I just... It is what it is. Um, like I said, I don't want to poo-poo it for all of our Atlanta fans who are listening and, like, living and dying, but the the obsession with the reactions to all this and, like, oh, we're not a shopping mall, this, that, and the other. I am just curious, though, what people are doing as they're watching these games because, like, it's, it's tough. Like, I'm watching other stuff while this is happening. Um, I can't sit there four days in a row with a four-hour break. The answer is watch, watching the Hawks game. Well, yes, that is the answer. But I watched that later on uh, last night and uh, with no distractions and went back this morning and finished it up. But, whew, okay, let's talk about it. So, Luca clamped by DeAndre Hunter last night. Everyone, uh, like our, our co-host, Garrett Chapman, he's all in on DeAndre Hunter. And unfortunately for him, unfortunately for our good friend Garrett, he's, he's thrown in the caveat. If he's healthy, this is it. And uh, here's the thing. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, it's one game. I'm not just signing off on DeAndre Hunter's health. I'm not signing off on his knee. Um, great game. Great lockdown performance. But do you know who the, the real star 
of last night was Max Markovich. Do you know who the uh, real yeah, stuff? Yeah, it was John Collins. John Collins was unbelievable last night. Um, I, I, we can get into Cam Reddish in a minute. I, mm-hmm. I want to. Can we talk about DeAndre Hunter first before mm-hmm. Cam Reddish? Okay. And we can sort of talk about them in tandem because they. I mean, their their careers are just linked. Like everything about them is linked. But I would like to talk about DeAndre Hunter because it's the if healthy caveat is is important because we have no idea if he can stay healthy long term. Mm-hmm. But it is true that like. I saw a quote from Capella today about the defense um, that, like, he was saying, everyone knows, like, we can score. Everyone knows, like, this team can shoot. Um, but where we make our gains is is on defense. Like, where we're going to surprise people is in this defense being good. And that's, like, uh, he's right. Like, you know, he's right. And and all of that starts with DeAndre Hunter and Clint Capella. Um, and we, we'll talk about Reddish. I'll leave that aside for a sec. But the floor of a defense with a dominant lockdown perimeter defender and a rim protector is high. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's so, so, so important when Trey Young is your point guard, right? Because, like, I don't know how high the ceiling of a defense with Trey Young can be, but if your floor is, like, top 15 and you have a top five offense, you're going to be a darn good NBA team. And so that's where DeAndre Hunter comes in. If he is just, like, a throw him on literally whoever the best opposing perimeter offensive player is and you don't really have to worry about it um and then you have capella guarding the rim like the floor or or a kongu when a kongu comes back um the floor there is really high on defense and if this team is like suddenly a top let's say they're 12th in defense like we're talking about an elite team an elite nba team um and that's where deandre hunter is so exciting yeah, for sure. Um, the attacking nature, like he took 11 shots, zero free throws last night. He was plus 19. Obviously, what he did defensively is what stood out, 11 points. But um, it was interesting to see what he was doing. Uh, Trey shot the ball okay. He got the line a couple times. He was he, His passing was what was on display in this one. This was more about facilitating and utilizing this depth. Um, I like the Gorgie Jang minutes. I thought he was really good. Um, but when you when you mm-hmm. watch it, like it's it's staggering the depth like mm-hmm. it is we, we've talked about it and you know you can talk about it on paper but when you see it man like that is it's not even like 10 quality nba players it's like above average like people who are contributing to winning players and like there was no gallinari last night there's no economy last night obviously no lou williams last night who you know, i don't think he's gonna play very much but that's um, what we said yeah he's like just the he lou williams what if he just became our uh udonis haslam Right. Yeah. I mean, he's he's a total luxury at this point, mm. um, which is what you want from Lou Williams. But like the depth, I, I don't think people nationally have really caught on to like how deep this team is. I, I heard the beginning of Ryan Rosillo's podcast today and he he did a whole riff on it. Um, and so some people might sort of start to notice pretty quickly. But like you don't have this kind of depth in the NBA, um, especially this young. And so that's what's so exciting is just seeing the bodies they can throw. Like when when Trey went out late in the first quarter and Luca went out and like the second unit, entirely the second unit, just like made a run, opened the lead up to 10, never relinquished it. And that was kind of the end. Um, And that's that's what's most exciting about this. Like the depth is really, really real. Um, And so I think I think that's where like of all the things you can take away from last night, seeing that was maybe the most exciting. The depth is real. Um, especially when you look at it compared to the maps, maps have no depth. It's Jalen Brunson, and that's it. Like Luca doesn't have when Luca's not playing well and he's shooting six for seventeen. 
Um, there's just not a lot in this group. Like Porzingis did not look good. I don't know what you thought of Porzingis in this one, but not not great. Dorian Finney-Smith is too important offensively, is what I also jotted down. Where I'm like, they, I I don't I don't like this depth at all. I, I think this is this is a real problem for Luca. Um, the Mavs are running it back, and mm-hmm. like we Reggie Bullock is not flipping that. the script here. No, we've had this we've had this conversation with the Mavs basically since they drafted Luca, and it's it's a it's a testament to Schlenk, the team the Hawks were able to build around Trey, mm. um, in contrast to the, the team the Mavs have built around Luca, and mm. like it was really on display last night because I didn't think Trey played well. Like I, mm. it was I'm not like worried about it anyway. I just think he was pressing a little bit, um, and it didn't matter. They they won by 26 against a team everyone's picking to make the playoffs in the West and like maybe do something. In the and they won handedly. Like they were the yeah. second half. Like they came out and they're like, all right, we're we're not doing this anymore. This is done. Right, and if you see, if Luca, I don't know what he shot last night, I think it was pretty similar to Trey. If Luca shoots 6 of 16 for 19 points, the Mavs are losing. Mm-hmm. Like, unless does they have a crazy shooting night from their role, guys. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have that. They shot 30% from 3, uh, 13 for 43. Um, the one thing I will, uh, or I shouldn't say one thing, so before we get into camp, this team didn't get to the line. The Hawks only shot 9 freak throws in this one. Was that something you yeah. noticed where it was like we weren't attacking, we weren't getting calls? What was it for you? Because I thought it was just the nature of how the game was going and how they were attacking. I don't I, – I am a little bit – I think there will be an adjustment period for Trey. Mm-hmm. I mean, Trey got to the line so much last year, um, and a lot of that was Beatty. And I think even without the rule changes, I think the refs are going to – make it a point to not officiate Trey the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe they should, you know, like get some of that gimmicky stuff out of his game. Um, I, I, I honestly didn't think the Hawks played that well last night. And that's what's so exciting. Like, I didn't think the offense was as sharp as it can be. I think when we were talking about the minutes crunch early in the year, I think that that's also going to manifest in a bit of a shots crunch. Um, like guys getting in, having their, their time, and like wanting to get their shots up before they go back and sit down again. Um, I think everyone kind of just, like, had an idea of the kind of shot. Like, DeAndre took a couple pull-up long twos, and <laughs> it's a little bit nitpicky to, to talk about his offensive game last night, but I didn't – like, they're just not great shots. And, like, with this team, you can get a great shot down the court every single time if you're patient. Um, and, I, and I thought they were just a little jumpy, which is to be expected in the first game of the year. Um so, yeah, I, I, my general takeaway was that the Hawks didn't play that well, Trey didn't play that well, and they won by 26 against a, a legit Western Conference team. And the best part is they get a even worse version in the East, uh, a bottom cellar dweller on Saturday night with the Cavs. Yeah, Cam, Cam put up, Cam's going to put up 30 in that game. Just <laughs> well, I don't know. Isaac Okoro is probably going to be on him for a little bit, so we'll see. They'll have some better defenders. Let's get into Cam. Let's, yeah, let's Cam is in. just... So the shot's there, and everyone's talking about it, Collins. And I think McMillan said it best of just, like, it changes things that he can provide. Uh, the same stuff he provides on defense, on offense. Um, I'm paraphrasing there. But essentially, it's just like, yeah, now Cam has proven that, like, for him to be on the floor, he's learned that he has to, he had to get better offensively. He had to get the shot right. He had to attack more. And in this game, he attacked, and he shot Per, like his he had i think what two three corner threes in this one and like everything he was hitting was just nothing but net like everything you could just hear and man the attacking he's not doing the spin move anymore he's not doing the dumb stuff where he drives and doesn't know what he's doing with the plan 
There's a little bit of that. No, no, no. The, a little, you're, little bit. No, I didn't see it. Um, <laughs> but he got 15 shots up, and they were okay with it. He got 15 shots up in 21 minutes. Um, this dude, it's everything. Like he he had three turnovers, which is still a little high. I mean, Trey had five, but this is the kind of stuff I wanted. But he needs to make these turnovers because he needs the opportunity to fail. And also show that he is better and he is willing to be an attacker. He's willing to be aggressive. Like, that is stuff that DeAndre Henry is just never going to do. DeAndre Henry at zero turnovers, he's not going to be the same kind of offensive attacker that Cam Reddish is. And just this is the difference in their ceiling, um, especially when you watch the, the two of them. It's just that, like, Cam's shot looks right. And what we saw at the end of that Buck series, I think, has translated. And I think he's just gotten better. And I think... It's going to look something to monitor early on is how long they keep him with the second unit, how long they do, they go before they they insert him into the to the starting rotation. Because, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter depending on how they close, but it is if this is the cam that we can come to expect for 20 to 28 minutes a night, then I don't know how he doesn't get elevated. Does that mean bogey goes to the to the bench? I don't know. Like, I am. I'm curious what this this means for the rotation. So, I actually think. I think he's in the right role as in terms of like a starting role, especially if you want him to get his shots up. Um, he's going to be a lot more able to, like a unit with him and Herter on the second unit with the mm-hmm. long right um, is a really, a really good lineup conducive to letting cam be cam. And like, I have so many emotions watching cam because when it's right, man, he is so smooth and you know, like I haven't been the biggest cam guy. Um, so to speak, mm-hmm. and I'm I still have my concerns. Like I think the way he like the way he came out last night was like so frustrating to me because it's like if you just rein everything back like twenty percent, like damn he looks like Paul George sometimes, man. Like it, the way he attacks closeout, it, it all starts with whether the shot is real. If the shot is real, yeah, like it's it's all there, it's on, like just figure out how to how to fit in with with the unit and go um and the way he attacks closeouts especially like two strides and he's got a layup and it's so smooth um that you just it's just so annoying when he's like out of control step back 20 foot fade away too it's just a terrible shot when he's surrounded by you know really good creators around him who can create for him like the thing with him is i think the shot is real when he's set like when he can catch, shoot, and and be set in rhythm, he's a good shooter. I, I think I'm I'm getting to that point. Um, but it's like when he's pressing and he just doesn't need to, that it's like man, like you can be an all star if you just don't do that shit. Um, and that's what's I mean, it's exciting. I think I'm excited to see. Um, and Capella was really good last night, so this is not a slight of Capella. But I think lineups with Trey, Bogey, or Herder. Um, Cam DeAndre at the four, which they talked about a little bit last night, and Collins at the five is going to murder people. Um, just like the switchability, the shooting, like the app, the firepower without like sacrificing defense. Um, like that's a lineup you can throw at um, Milwaukee and feel really good about. Um, and I'm just I don't know. I think there's the Cam being really good opens up so many possibilities for what this team can be. Um, that I think it's that's what's exciting. I just want to rein it back like twenty percent because like if you just if all he did was catch, shoot, catch, and attack closeouts and run on the fast break, he would be an insanely valuable player for this team. Um, and that's not all he's going to do because that's not who he is. But 
that's kind of what I want to see right now. That's fair. Uh, what did you make of Dylan Wright, though? Very different than Trey. I, yeah, I mean, he didn't he didn't shoot it well. Um, I don't think that's ever going to be could, a thing. I don't think he's going to be the the shooter type. His, his shooting numbers are not bad. I mean, it, like, he, I think he shot like mid to high thirties from three last year. Um, I think he was uh, the main thing I want from the second unit is is the main thing I've wanted since Trey was here, which is or, originally it was to not get killed when Trey was out, and now it's like that unit is a full on advantage for us. Um, and I think Delon Wright is like a professional backup point guard who's going to do an admirable job running the offense and letting um, our playmakers on that unit get the ball where they need to get it. Like when when Lou Williams was running that lineup, it's not like that. It's like Lou looking for his and then. If not, someone else can look for theirs. I think DeLon Wright's going to be good at like getting getting the offense moving, getting the ball in Herder's hands, getting the ball in Cam's hands, um, and scoring that way. And I think that is all we need from a backup point guard. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, what lineup did you like the most last night? Um, I don't remember how much they went to Hunter at the four, but I want to mm-hmm. see that. Yeah. I just – I really want to see that because, I mean – Teams don't play with traditional fours anyway. So in terms of like who he can guard, he can still him and him and Cam are very different defenders, but Mm -hmm. both very effective. Like I think Cam is like the splashy, flashy, all over the place, super energetic, get in your face defender, and DeAndre Hunter is the like I'm gonna play this screen perfectly and position myself to cut you off, like he did with Luca a million times. Mm -hmm. Um, And those are really complementary in terms of like those two guys can shut down any two. I mean, not shut down, but you can put those guys on, like, the Clippers' wings and feel good about that um, when Kawhi's healthy. And so that's that's more, like, I want to see that. I want to see the two of them with a Kongwu. I want to see the two of them with Collins. I want to see the two of them with Capella. Like, I don't I don't care. But I think that if they if both of them can shoot, they can play together, and that's what I'm most excited about. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Um, any Falcons stuff? We got Falcons-Dolphins. This is... I don't want to watch this. Ugh. I don't want to watch this at all. I mean, I don't know. I'm excited to see whether this offensive not excited. I want to see whether this offensive improvement is real. Mm-hmm. Um, like, is the Pitts leap happening? Um, we still haven't figured out what happened with Calvin Ridley. We might mm-hmm. never. Um, I don't know. They should win the game. They're favorite. They should win. Tua's back. It looks like um, the crazy stuff with the Watson rumors and Tua to Denver and all that swirling and Flores having to answer. He's like, no, Tua's our quarterback. But this Dolphins offense has been a disaster. Miles Gaskins had like one of the worst running back games of all time uh, per Football Outsiders last week. Um, but yeah, this Dolphins offense is broken. So I think we should have a, a good day from the defense and Falcons should win and cover. Um, I don't know. I think this should be this should be a normal good win for the falcons and then suddenly we're 500 because sure yeah and it's like a crazy collapse against the washington football team away from being four and two Mm -hmm. like (laughs) this team um yeah i don't know like what do you when you watch the falcons like what are you watching for right now well i will tell you the the i don't know if you saw trevor sycamore's 2022 nfl mock draft for pff um, yeah, but they had Jordan Davis going to the Falcons at like the 12th spot. I think the Falcons will be drafting 12th or something like that right now. Um, Jordan Davis and Great Jarrett would just be be something else uh, in the interior. But 
what I'll say is that like you look at it and the first quarterback taken he has is like 13th or 11th Malik Willis to the Washington football team and this is not a good draft suddenly Spencer Rattler out of the equation and I, I I'm just like oh the Falcons are like they don't the Matt Ryan stuff has to continue like we have to ride with this now because there's nobody next year and then we just like this is it like we have to figure it out with Matt Ryan with Kyle Pitts with Calvin Ridley um I want to see if Mike Davis can figure it out. Like, I, I just, he hasn't broken through. I want to see if this offensive line continues to get better. Um, McGarry's been awesome. Um, I want to see if that continues. I want to see if we get any pressure because the didn't, tackles. Didn't they put McGarry on IR? Or did, did he go on IR? Oh, no. I think he might have gone on IR. That's not good. No, could... it's really quite bad. Just as, as the offense was getting its rhythm. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He got placed on IR. Or no, he's on he's on COVID. COVID. COVID That's list. what it was. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, he's out regardless. Of yeah, he's out. Um, Josh Andrews got activated from IR. That's not good. Uh, I don't like that. I, I don't like that. Um, no, but I think I think your Matt Ryan point is important because I think, um, man, I was worried those first few weeks that he was like wash, washed, like mm-hmm. he was Big Ben washed, that he was like Eli Manning washed. Um, and I don't, I don't think we're there. Like I, I think that was an adjustment period with this offense. I think – Arthur Smith was trying to figure it out. I think there was some disconnect with Pitts. Like I, and I think the biggest question I have is like whether that stuff is past us or whether it was like you're playing the Jets type of thing. Um, but I, I do think I, I'm really encouraged by how Ryan has looked. Um, and yeah, I, I, did you see the the rumor that they were going to take not the rumor the report I guess um, that they were going to take Trey Lance if he dropped a four. That doesn't surprise me at all. Because that's what I'd heard, too, is that, like, they were either taking Lance or they weren't taking a quarterback. I don't I don't know how that makes me feel about their approach. or mm. how, Like, I, it, it says quite a bit about what they think of Justin Fields, I guess, is more my point. Yeah. And Mac Jones. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I... <sighs> I don't know. We'll see. But I think Falcons fans need to strap in now, especially when you look at next year. You look at where the season can go. I think we need to strap in for a Pittsburgh, New Orleans type situation in Atlanta where it's like maybe late stage uh, Phillip Rivers and and Charger land. Like this is this is the reality. Like I don't see a path to Matt Ryan moving on anytime soon. So like finding a way. I don't think they can pull this off because it's just so hard to do this. It is so hard to thread this needle of retooling enough to compete with a, a pricey veteran quarterback. It's just really, really hard to do that. And this offense and defense still has so many holes that I'm not sure. But I think that's the new normal is I think this is we're going to ride this out and see what happens. Um, on a positive note, though, AJ Terrell, um, this is from PFF only quarterbacks to allow fewer than 100 yards in coverage um minimum of 150 coverage snaps aj terrell 42 okay. casey hayward 87 jamal jamel dean 96 i think there's this narrative out there that he's not been he's good... elite now like he's actually yeah, been an elite like, corner it's like frustrating because it's because he doesn't get talked about at all i think mm-hmm. mostly just because the foul like people just sort of associate falcons defense is bad that pick didn't work out but Mm -hmm. if you're talking about like guys they are building with going forward like retool with this person i mean terrell is is probably in the first three or four names um and that's that's another thing like this year is just kind of about identifying 
those guys. Those guys you can build with, those guys you want to keep. Um, and I think he's pretty clearly one of those guys. I do think like the Pittsburgh New Orleans thing is is it's kind of the approach um, Dimitrov wanted to take at the end with the with the cap and sort of kicking the cap uh, down the road and and figuring it out later. Um, the problem was like we weren't making the playoffs. Like those New Orleans Pittsburgh teams have made the playoffs and have competed. Right. And when you're competing, it's okay to say, yeah, figure it out, retool. This is getting old, but we can patch it up. When you're going, let's say they go seven and ten, like what does that what does that do for you? And it's, I mean, it's easier to say like it's time to just like move on at quarterback, but I don't even know like what that looks like. Like if you don't like Justin Fields, you don't take Justin Fields just because it might be time soon to move on at quarterback. That's um, what I like. Is that like they love Lance. Like, they love yeah. Lance, and Lance was their guy. He wasn't there, so they're like, we're not just taking a guy just to take a guy. Yeah, I think that's how I feel too, but it, it leaves them in this limbo mm. of, all right, Kyle Pitts is probably awesome. Um, he's cool. going to be a 10-time Pro Bowl or whatever. Like, he's he's already awesome. Like, he's the eighth-graded tight end per PFF at this point. Like, he's our best receiver. He's, he's going to be a superstar for years to come. But we just don't know how much that translates to wins in the short term. Yeah, and are they going to be playing this game that, like, Carolina's playing or, like, mm-hmm. Denver's playing where you're just kind of straddling the middle ground of quarterbacks because, you know, you haven't found your guy you love and, you you know, you're signing the Sam Darnold's Teddy Bridgewater's of the world and trying to just do it that way. And, like, that's so, from an outsider's perspective, that's so uninspiring. Um, but it's not more uninspiring than, like, bottoming out and you know having a terrible team again um like I I root for this team to win last year I was like all in kind of on the tank a little bit um but yeah I don't know it's it's a weird spot to be in as a as a Falcons fan but I'm also like kind of weirdly optimistic like if this offense continues an upward trajectory like that's something you can hang your hat on and say okay we have our coach we have our our offensive scheme that's not going anywhere let's find the right players Mm mm-hmm that's fair. That's fair. Um, and I got it backwards, by the way. It's Lindstrom, not McGarry, who has the 80 PFF grade. I, I figured. <laughs> I think McGarry's kind of on the he's okay on the fringe, fringes here. Yeah, he's okay. He's okay. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, at least, hey, back-to-back wins for the Falcons. That's cool. Little baby steps, baby steps. Um, it, next. Could, it really could be four in a row. Like That's a possibility, yes. Well, like it could have been had they beat Washington. Mm-hmm. We it'd be three and two right now, right? And with a win against a terrible Dolphins team, would be four in a row after starting zero and two, and then team people would be talking playoffs. Correct. Whew, and that Washington game was so dumb. It was so dumb. Yeah. Um, last thing, we'll wrap up here. Is your Michigan Wolverines going to be able to fight off the Fitzgeralds? Man, I was really about to bring up last week's Tennessee thing. Uh, you don't um, have to do that. We, we can get there. Yeah, we, I mean, we like, had a normal one. It's fine. <laughs> we didn't even talk about the Joe Milton play. Oh my god! I don't. Oh my god! I, I just that, I, I blacked out. I, I that couldn't made believe the that happened. About eight group texts in line. Um. Anyway, uh, yeah, this is this is a an extension of the bye week ahead of MSU next week, which is going to be Armageddon. I mean, truly, like you should see the like Michigan message boards right now and the michigan state message boards ahead of next week like things are going to burn um undefeated michigan undefeated michigan state in east lansing with like everything on the line it's just going to be nuts 
to, to answer your question, I'm not worried about the fighting Pat Fitzgeralds. Um, I'm hoping J.J. McCarthy can get some second-half run. I'm hoping everyone stays healthy, and I'm hoping for everyone's safety ahead of next week. There you go. There you go. Uh, we're playing in Alabama, so a little bit different scenario. What do you even, like, do you even get excited for that game? No. <laughs> no. Who's going to play quarterback? Hooker. He's he's available. Is he? Is he? Okay. Mm. It looked really a lot worse a after Joe, last Joe weekend. Joe Milton and Tuscaloosa. Yeah, I probably wouldn't watch. I think I don't think I could handle it. I really don't think I can handle Joe Milton against Alabama. I, I don't can know you, why. Can you at least take me through like your your reaction, your emotions on that last play last last week? You know what's funny is like I knew he was going to run out of bounds. I well actually I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I knew he was going to do one of two things either run out of bounds or he was going to throw it into the end zone after crossing the line of scrimmage like my gut told me crossing the line of scrimmage when he moved i don't think he knew where he was on the field and when he was still looking at the end zone seven yards past the line of scrimmage i was like oh he's gonna launch this i don't think he knows where he is so my inner monologue was like i nothing good was coming of that like i knew nothing good was coming and uh, he found mural first and that was like one of those things where it, it just very nerve-wracking and then the next play after that obviously he runs around and uh like could he have kneeled it instead of spiked it uh, a possibility that was in play we learned um but it was just dumb i mean there's probably nothing open but i mean hypo even after the game was just like yeah obviously we didn't it's not a good play and we didn't want that um and hypo will just never speak negatively or ill about any player uh, very protective good stuff but um it was just bad it was just unbelievable and it was like he can never be on the field again like i don't care what harrison Bay is like in practice like joe milton cannot get any more snaps like that's I, he just can't and that's why i was like how do we even it's like rewarding him for just if we gave him the start against bama rewarding him for for that ending it's just no you can't like I, I just can't have him on the field anymore like it's just man all the talent in the world crazy arm talent crazy arm talent it's just everything else it just doesn't it just doesn't work i forgot who it was i think it was ryan nanny um of shutdown full cast who had this uh analogy for joe milton where it was like he said like the the quarterback he, he asked fans to think about the quarterback who um has the best arm has like he knows where he needs to go like joe milton knows what he needs to do but his body and like betrays him where it's just like it will never go where it's supposed to he'll never do the thing that he he knows he should do he just won't do it or he knows that guy's open and he'll see it and then the ball goes way away just somewhere else where in his head he sees it going right there and then that's just not what happens in reality ever yeah i mean I wish anyone could have seen any of this coming. That really would have been, okay. it really would have been something. Okay. No, when he left, when he left Michigan and he went to Tennessee and he looked like he was going to win the starting job, he gave a quote. I'm sure you've read it or seen it about how like Michigan's, uh, like what someone asked him like, what's the biggest difference between Michigan's coaching staff and Tennessee's? And he said, at Tennessee, they just like kind of let you do your thing. Like they they at, Mich- at Michigan, like it was, they they wanted you to be a robot or like it was robotic or something like that. And man, like Joe Milton could use some robot. <laughs> he could use a, hey man, throw the check down, or like don't bail the pocket immediately just because you feel like you should, or don't throw the ball thirty yards over that guy's head. I don't know, but the answer is somebody will be lured back in with that arm talent because it's impossible. It's inevitable. Joe Milton will play in college for thirty years somehow, 
and he will lure every every uh, Power Five team in the country into bringing him in at some point. And then he'll lure an NFL team into bringing him into a practice squad, and then it'll end. Hmm. I don't know. He'll be awesome at, like, USF. That's where he needs to wind up. Like, he needs to be think, a South Florida I don't Florida think he'll ball. ever be awesome. I'm just going to say that. Okay. Not even in a group of five level. Can, no. I don't, I don't think he can. I don't... Why are, we're still talking about like can he throw with touch like he can throw the ball a million yards that doesn't mean he can be a competitive quarterback anywhere at any he's never thrown for a higher than 50 percent completion percentage i don't think anywhere in a full season it's not gonna happen it doesn't happen it's probably not gonna happen i just don't want it to happen in tennessee gotta move on got i just hooker's been a delight though so i'm just glad he's healthy but i also would yeah, have said i may have sat hooker because you have a bye next week and then you got kentucky i just want to make sure he is in bubble wrap before kentucky because i think they can beat kentucky on the road in lexington and that's the biggest win of the year if they can pull that off so we shall see we shall see max markovich we can find you on twitter.com at max underscore markovich um garrett missed you this week we'll all be back next week on this podcast to to talk about all kinds of great stuff the hawks still being undefeated the braves in the world series the falcons marching towards the playoffs everything's great and atlanta sports and our college teams everything's awesome i love that we just didn't even really acknowledge the fact that the braves are like they lose one game and everyone's just like oh it's happening it's over it's done everything sucks yeah there's nothing to talk about until you get through it and that's why when people are like there's oh it's fine it's like it. until they get through it or they don't um there's just not much to say it's it's like oh, ptsd just yes. immediately comes back mm-hmm. i agree i agree Max, talk to you next week, buddy. All right. Thanks. All right. Hello, and welcome back to the Chase and Most Podcast, where I am now joined by Jimmy Stein, who covers a football team that I hope goes easy on my Tennessee volunteers in 24 hours. Jimmy, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, appreciate you having me on on the uh, the traditional fourth Saturday in October. Right, the traditional fourth Saturday in October. I I love the questions about uh, this. Just every every year that Saban and now Heupel have to answer these of just like, is this a rivalry? Tennessee obviously not beating them since 2006. Never beating Alabama with Saban. Um, nothing tells you that that's going to change this year, correct? Uh, I, I certainly like Alabama's position. I don't think you're going to find many Alabama uh, supporters that will that will want to trade rosters. You know, for for right now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Al- Alabama's uh, established. Uh, it, it's literally still in the midst of of what uh, what we believe is the greatest dynasty of all time in college football, and uh, and Al- it feels like Alabama's still in the midst of it. It's not over yet. Obviously, Josh Heupel has done a really good job uh, with what he's inherited at Tennessee, but he's. He's just now starting to build it, so uh, I like Alabama's chances. It's it's not a uh, it's it's not a team without flaws. Uh, Texas A and M was good enough to take advantage of what Alabama doesn't do particularly well. You know this team, but uh, I, you know I, I don't think that Tennessee has enough players yet uh, to, to cause problems for Alabama. But uh, having Hendon Hooker back will be will be a big deal and. Uh, and Matt Zenitz from On3 is reporting this morning that Hendon Hooker is uh, is likely to play tomorrow. 
Yeah, I saw that. Um, I'm surprised. I'm surprised Heupel and company are going to put him out there. I mean, it's also, it's not like this defense is the type of defense that's going to really rough him up. Like, Henry Toto, I believe, still, old friend Henry Toto still leads the, the tide in tackles. But this is not a not a scary uh, aggressive, right. physical Alabama defense that uh, Hinton Hooker has to really be worried about getting banged up with. But I just, I don't know. Hooker got demolished um, last weekend, and that dude's a warrior. But I was, I was surprised to see that he, he will be suiting up. But for my sanity and yours, Jimmy, that means no Joe Milton, and that's a win for America, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, Milton's had his struggles, but uh, you know, this week I, I've seen Tennessee a couple times this year, and I've been impressed with. Heupel and certainly uh, Hendon Hooker, but until I really studied the Tennessee games this week, I, I was almost shocked at, at Hendon Hooker's numbers. I mean, they're they're very, very impressive game to game. Uh, very consistent, uh, an efficient passer, but clearly a kid that, though he's efficient, pushes the ball downfield. And then he makes plays with his legs, rushing for over 100 yards against Ole Miss uh, just last week uh, before the injury. Uh, you know, in terms of, of whether it's dangerous to play against the Alabama defense, uh, it's this is a good defense. It's going to be one of the better defenses in the SEC, uh, but this is not vintage Nick Saban defense. I, I think most Alabama fans would agree that the best Saban defenses were like 2011, 2016 was outstanding with just virtually every player starting on the defense, a first or second round pick. Uh, now, this defense is good, uh, not as scary. They do have one scary dude, however, Will Anderson, number 31. He's as good a pass rusher as there is uh, in college football, and he is frankly just as good as any Saban defender uh, throughout the dynasty. Uh, you know, really, there's an ongoing conversation. Is Will Anderson the best defensive player of the Saban era? Which is hmm. uh, saying a lot. That's like saying you're the best Boston Celtic in the 70s, you know. Uh, you know, you're you're really good if you're the best of uh, of Saban's anything. And Will Anderson may be the best defender of, of the whole Saban era at Alabama. Hmm. That's interesting. High praise. High praise. Um, what flipped uh, last week against Mississippi State? Why were they able to to handle them and uh, bounce back? Uh, what did you see that they cleaned up from, from their loss previously? Well, I think you... You just used a great term, cleaned up. I, I, this Alabama team had been error-prone, even in the games prior to A&M. Lots and lots of penalties, drop balls, uh, just mental errors, busts in the secondary. It wasn't like uh, in any of the games prior to A&M, Alabama was getting physically whipped. There was just a lot of errors. They played a much cleaner game against Mississippi State, a much smarter game. I'm sure there was some level of intensity that was there that, that might not have been there in previous games. The losses will do that to you. Uh, at, at Alabama, after a loss, Alabama has averaged winning by 31 points. So I think it was basically a continuation of a pattern we've seen at Alabama where there's often been a big bounce back after a loss. Uh, Coach Saban uh, really has their, their attention at this point. Uh, but really, it was just a matter of playing cleaner. It wasn't a huge adjustment. It wasn't changing the offense, changing the defense. There was just a couple of minor personnel moves that didn't mean much. It was just a cleaner, more intense performance. And instead of playing well for stretches, Alabama played really well for most of the game. Mm. Uh, what has been different about about Young in in the last few weeks? What has he gotten a lot better at? 
Well, he was pretty amazing from game one, considering that last year during his freshman year, Bryce Young only threw 22 balls the entire season. So this was a, a pretty inexperienced kid, and he played really well in the opener. I think one thing that, that, that seems obvious for a guy who's in a lot of the Heisman polls, you know, Bryce has been better than the other team's quarterback every week, and that started in the Miami game, which kicked off the season when he's playing a sixth-year All-Star like De'Eric King. Bryce Young was the best quarterback on the field that day. Uh, he's very efficient. He's smart. His intangibles are just as good as the tangibles, frankly. He's he's a natural leader. Uh, he's very bright. He's really good with the media. His teammates like him, uh, even with the extraordinary NIL deals that have come his way. Uh, that doesn't appear to have affected anything in the clubhouse with Bryce. So really just a really good kid, a hard worker. Now, tangibles on the field – He's a small guy. I think if uh, Tennessee fans haven't seen Bryce Young play yet, uh, they'll be stunned at how small he is. I mean, Bryce is small not for a quarterback. Bryce is small for a football player. He's he's small for a cornerback. I mean, this is a this is a little guy, but he has a, a a more than adequate arm. His arm talent's great. He gets rid of the ball quickly. He's a very good athlete. He's been hesitant to run for a couple of reasons. Number one, he says he's been fighting a stereotype. His entire life at quarterback, people see his size and assume, oh, he's just a guy that runs around. So he intentionally doesn't run. He uses his feet to buy himself more time to use his arm. Uh, And it's frustrated Alabama fans at times this year. There have been times Bryce clearly passes up an opportunity to take uh, to take a you know a good gain on the ground, and he passes it up. Secondly. With Alabama lacking experience and backup quarterback and not having a ton of confidence just yet in the two backups, I don't think Alabama coaches like seeing Bryce Young take any unnecessary hits. So he doesn't run it very often. But when he does, and you see him use those feet, those legs, the first question you're going to have is, why doesn't he do that more often? He's really good you know, with his feet. But, uh, but he, he's a pass-first guy. He's been extremely efficient he's averaging basically 300 yards a game i believe he's only thrown maybe two intercept two or three interceptions even with all the attempts which is amazing considering his uh, lack of experience he's not playing behind a vintage alabama offensive line so i do think tennessee who's pretty good up front on defense i won't be surprised if tennessee gets uh, gets some pressure on bryce young saturday See, I don't know about the pressure aspect. I mean, Barron's been great this year. Young is coming into his own. Matthew Butler's been awesome. But I think this front seven, um, they're just so good stopping the run. Like, to, uh, Ole Miss with Parrish and company couldn't do anything. Like, no one's been able to to run the ball, and they keep trying at the middle, and it just doesn't work. Uh, the, the way to do it is bounce it outside, do RPO stuff, and make Tennessee have to decide um, and stay in their lanes. But... Um, I am curious what Bama does if they're not able to run up the middle. I'm curious what happens if Young tries to attack. Uh, who does he go after? Does he go after Walton Burrell? I'm gonna guess. Uh, he, I'm gonna guess he goes after Burrell. Um, it's my my guess. Um, maybe Turnage, <laughs> the revenge game there. Um, but it's not the. Uh, it's not. A, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, we had sort of a Henry Toto Toto for Brandon Turnage trade. Yeah. in the off season. Uh, I would still rather have Toa Toa back based on our, our season <laughs> thus far, but, um, you know, and it, 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 it happens. Um, but I am curious about that matchup. Is there a particular matchup that you're most curious about? 
Well, Alabama is going to know turnage quite a bit. Here's what's sort of interesting, uh, as you know, everyone's dealing with transfers. It's 2021. It's it's the new world we're in, right? And last week, Will Anderson uh, against Mississippi State notched four sacks in the game. That was the most sacks in a single game at Alabama since Derek Thomas, who Will is hmm. often compared to. But Will Will go Will went up against Mississippi State's right tackle most of the game. Alabama will move him around side to side based on what they believe is the best matchup for Will. Last week it was Mississippi State's right tackle uh, who bore the brunt of Will Anderson for 60 minutes and gave up the four sacks and, and numerous other pressures. And that kid was, was an Alabama transfer, a kid named Scott Lashley, who couldn't dent the starting lineup at Alabama transfer to Mississippi State. And he's been a starter there since he arrived in Starkville. And he's a good player. But uh, you know, Will Anderson's going to make a lot of good players uh, struggle. And uh, I say that to say Alabama knew Scott Lashley's game really well. He'd been on the team for, for three years before he left, uh, uh, similarly to Brandon Turnage. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Turnage just in the sense that uh, Nick Saban knows his defensive back so well. He's going to know Turnage inside and out. While Brandon was certainly a promising player at Alabama, and, uh, and Alabama misses him, and Alabama could use him right now, frankly. But uh, Alabama knows Turnage so well. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised to see them uh, target him a few times. Uh, Alabama's not quite as good at wide receiver as they have been in the past two years. As people know, Alabama put four receivers in the first round in uh, Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, uh, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. Alabama doesn't have one of those anymore, uh, I'm sure, to everyone in the league's relief. They do have two good wide receivers. Number one, Jamison Williams. He's a transfer from Ohio State. He's the sprinter. His uh, his four four speed is legit. He can really really run. He's just not the most gifted polished receiver. Uh, that's what the NFL would like to see out of him. Uh, John Mechie, uh, who's been a part of the Todd receiving core for a couple of years, he's the other good player. He's good. Uh, he may even make second team All SEC at the end of the year. He's good, but he he doesn't belong in that that Waddle Devonte Judy conversation. So. Alabama's good. Are they good enough to just wreck Tennessee secondary? Probably not. Not for 60 minutes. But the combination of Bryce Young's talent and those two receivers in Alabama has a couple of good targets at tight end as well. Uh, Alabama's passing game is pretty, pretty good. I, I would say it's the strength of the offense, but Alabama sure would like to establish the run. Uh, Tennessee it does have a good run defense. Uh, that's going to be tougher on Alabama. I suspect, Chase, that Alabama will start the game throwing it quite a bit and, uh, and and maybe save the run for later in the game. That's what I would bet, too. Um, how does Alabama defensively contain Hooker and Tion Evans? Well, uh, Alabama has used a spy pretty mm-hmm. often when they play an athletic quarterback like Hooker. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, To'o To'o, for instance, or mm-hmm. maybe uh, safety Jordan Battle is sort of assigned that role to sort of contain hooker alabama likes to contain quarterbacks like hinnon hooker they don't blitz them to death what they're trying to do is uh they'll they'll accept death by a thousand cuts they don't want to give up the big play and 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 that's why they'll play sort of i think coach saban refers to it as a mush rush which is just basically everyone being very gap gap disciplined uh stay outside don't let don't let the quarterback bounce outside and make a big play keep everybody in the middle of the field where the help is. Uh, it's not super exciting. It's not going to produce a ton of sacks and tackles for losses, but it's pretty effective against 
most most athletic quarterbacks like Hendon. But Hendon Hooker can push the ball downfield, so uh, he, he's an he's an interesting matchup for Alabama to say the least. Hmm. Um, the rest of the way, what are you what are you looking for out of the Crimson Tide after this game and the rest of the ways? What storylines are you monitoring? I think the one overarching one is this: is you know Alabama's uh, only missed the college football playoff. You know, uh, you know, I think it's uh, one time, uh, and 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 now they've lost their margin for error with the loss at Texas A and M. For Alabama to make the playoff, they have to win out, and that's a daunting thing to say in the SEC when you play a Tennessee, then you play LSU, then you play Arkansas, and of course at Auburn at the end. But what's really possibly awaiting for Alabama, should they make it all the way through that unscathed, is a is an extremely good Georgia Bulldog team in Atlanta. Before the loss to Texas A and M, there was this thought maybe Alabama and Georgia are twelve and zero in in that SEC championship game, and and both teams would make the playoff regardless of who wins the SEC championship. But Alabama's loss to A and M has put them in a different position for Alabama to make the playoff. They got to win out. That includes beating Georgia and Atlanta. So to me, Chase, the the challenge for Alabama is to improve, to get better. Uh, I like to say, look, the Alabama teams we've seen so far aren't going to beat Georgia. They're not going to beat Georgia. They got to get better. Uh, That includes this Tennessee game. Uh, Alabama needs to continue to get cleaner, play cleaner, and play for 60 minutes. They they, they did a much better job against Mississippi State, but it's going to take an even better performance than that to beat Georgia. So Tennessee is a great chance for Alabama to to improve, to get better. When you're playing a team that challenges you in spots, that that's a team you can improve against. You know, playing New Mexico State, who Alabama plays in November, you're not going to get any better. You might get healthier when you play New Mexico State because you don't have to play your frontline guys as, as much or at all. But to get better, you play teams that can challenge you in, in places like Tennessee can, Arkansas can, LSU, and, and certainly Auburn. Well, I'm glad we could do that for you guys. I'm glad we could get, get you right. I'm, I'm glad that my volunteers can do that. It's good. Hey, well, I, I expect Tennessee to score some points tomorrow. I, I, I predict. I, I thought maybe 14 earlier in the week, but but now that Hendon Hooker is going to play, I, I have a hard time imagining any, even a quality defense like Alabama. I, I think Hendon Hooker is probably good for uh, 21, 24 points. And, hey, Alabama off their game on offense. Alabama only scored 31 points offensively against a couple of SEC defenses this year. If hmm. Hendon Hooker can get his 21 to 24 points and Alabama can't get even to that 31-point ceiling, you could have a close game in the fourth quarter. And if that happens, then, then anything can happen. We all know this crazy streak. And it is crazy, and I, I know it's a lot more fun in Tuscaloosa than it is in Knoxville, but it's going to end. I mean, it's going to end. And, and knowing college football like we do, Chase, it's probably going to end when we least expect it, not the one that we see coming from a mile away. You heard it here first. Jimmy's got the Vols <laughs> and an upset. He's got the Vols. Hendon Hooker, Tion Evans, Javante Payton just blowing the top off. There you go. There you go. Um, Jimmy, what can we check out from you across on three this week? Yeah, uh, usually find my posts on the On3 Sports message board, on the Alabama message board, or posting two or three lengthy opinions a day on various subjects. Today was actually about basketball. How about that? You you know Alabama fans are excited about Nate Oates when we're actually discussing and and talking about basketball during the the heart of football season, but uh, but that's the way it is around here now. But uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, anyone, uh, please subscribe to On3 Sports. We think one, one day we'll be 
the premier destination for all college football fans across the country uh, with the content that we'll provide nationally, regionally, and per team. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, go do that. Check it out and be, become a subscriber at On3 if you have not already done so. It's great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, so thank you uh, for making the time, Jimmy. This was okay. great. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, good luck the rest of the way. And I will uh, check back in with you again soon. Thanks so much, Chase. All right, that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Uh, thank you to Jimmy, Max, Bob, and Andrew, as always, for making the time on this Saturday edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, don't forget, folks, if you like today's episode, make sure to leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend, band member, whoever, coworker about the pod. And uh, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, go to chasethomaspodcast.com today. Uh, like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chasethomaswriter. Uh, go to sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Again, that is sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com for access to all of my sports articles, all my sports writing, um, and even links to this very pod. So go there, subscribe, type in your email, all that good stuff. Um, and then email me. If you have any mailbag questions or any questions for me, chase thomas podcast at gmail.com. Again, that is chase thomas podcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash chase double underscore thomas. Uh, that is all I've got for today. Uh, no pod tomorrow, it's Sunday, so day off, and then uh, we'll be back on Monday. Thanks, guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.